Good afternoon. Welcome to Techman Talks Dynamics. I'm James Crowter, and with me I have a longtime colleague, Liam Walton, to uh, discuss a little bit more about the world of dynamics and where it's going and what uh, what the future holds. Welcome, Liam. Yeah, good good to be with you again. Remotely again. Hopefully soon we'll be back uh, back in the same room. But so. well, one of us is in the office today. But yeah, absolutely. It's um, uh, the UK at least seems on the way to uh, to having this thing a little bit more under control. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. Eh? And we've both been vaccinated, I think. So uh, you know, one day soon. Half, halfway halfway there. Got the first first one in. Yeah, it's um, been a funny year. It has been a funny year. A funny year. So, so today, you, you mentioned the topic that we're going to talk about. And, and although mm-hmm. I've heard the phrase that we're going to use as the subject matter, which is this, this phrase, a citizen developer, um, I guess there's a lot of grey areas around that or a lot of unknowns. What does that mean? Um, and, and although I've got a rough idea, I'm, I'm sure you'll put me right or how, <laughs> how we, we see that in the dynamics world. But I mean, I, I've always seen a citizen developer is someone who's probably not trained in a programming language, so so to speak, they they probably understand the business. They understand how the the application functions and what it can do, but they typically wouldn't be that person you would go to historically to write some custom code to make the system do something it doesn't do out of the box. Is that correct, or is that halfway there? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I was confused. Similarly, probably three or four years ago now, when I first heard the phrase, I, I think it's a phrase that Microsoft love, um, but the rest of us kind of. If I uh, struggle to understand, I, th- I think you know the derogatory terms for it would be part-time developer or uh, amateur developer. It's certainly probably somebody who's not a professional developer in that they're not a full-time developer. So it, 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 you know, it's somebody who does some development when they need to do some development, rather than being something that they're specifically employed to do. Um, and then, uh, and so we are seeing, you know, Microsoft are right in one way. Perhaps um, they, they've picked a, a marketing term for the kind of uh, way to describe it so that people don't get upset. But they are right in that there are more and more people involved in the process who are identifying a need from their systems and therefore are looking at how they can fill that need without necessarily writing. Um, you know, tons and pages and pages, days and days worth of code um, to create that solution. Yeah. And so I, I guess from, from our point of view as, as a, a Dynamics partner, what, what, why, why is this of interest to the people that would normally tune in and listen to this podcast? Well, I think, you know, it's about getting value from your Dynamics system. And, and, and you know, in the past, the, perhaps the option, if you, uh, you, you know, if your dynamic system didn't do it out of the box, you had two major options. You either paid a partner like ourselves with a bunch of professional developers to create that custom solution, and that, you know, that had an expensive price tag um, connected to it, or um, you created a, a non, a disconnected system. You know, the, the, the classic one is the, the list of information that we store in Microsoft Excel um, that you could put together and but had no kind of integration with your core systems. Um, and often the data could get mismatched. You could use different coding. It didn't all line up, etc. And you had to maintain it completely separately as well. So, you know, what you have got the option these days is, is kind of that halfway house 
And that's where the citizen developer comes in, really. Um, because let's face it, professional developers, um, as demand goes uh, up, are getting more and more expensive. Um, the time and effort involved is, is considerable. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So obviously we work with different sides of different organisations. We, we typically, I'd say, in a lot of organisations, not every organisation, but we have someone there who would probably be classed as the, the dynamics champion, the person that knows more than most people. And so would that hat normally fall onto someone along those lines? That's the type of role we're looking at, who understands their business, knows what the app can do, and, and there's probably um, got some skills that were going to be useful for, for what we're talking about here. I think you certainly need some skills. The idea that you know somebody can uh, uh, maybe will get there where you can just wander up to a system and describe what you want and it builds it for you. Uh, that's not there. That's uh, that's still fantasy land, uh, unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately, depending on which way look you look at it, I'd be out of a job, for instance. But um, no, that's not there. So you know you've got to if you, if you take dynamics, which is you know this is Techman Talks dynamics, so we ought to. To come back to that, really, if you look at specifically our homeland in, in Business Central, you've probably got two ways of going about this. And, you know, the, the development platform for Business Central for years was, was Seaside. And that was something that, you know, you were a good week's development course, full-time development course, before you even got started with that. It was a, a very unique um, environment that um, you you know you got your uh, badging geekdom when you uh, <laughs> when you opened that on day two so that was that historically was full-time developers country Microsoft discouraged and and Navision before them discouraged um, people end users from developing that by you know they put a, a 20,000 uh, GBP price tag on the solution developer. They put a four and a half thousand pound solution tag on the application developer. Um, now in, in the new world, those aren't for sale anymore. You know, those are effectively scrapped because the development tools that I can use as a professional developer are available to everybody who wants them, right? So, um, you know, and it is the case where, um, uh, you know, you need to fire up a, a piece of software called VS Code. That's free. You can just go download that. You add a couple of add-ins into that, and you know, suddenly you're off at, and you're creating uh, your own extensions. Um, and and you know, that might sound a, a complex, difficult thing to do, but actually, um, you know, again, there's some extensions for VS Code, would you believe? Not extensions for Business Central, but these make VS Code much more usable. And one of them um, is, is a wizard tool that will allow you to go through and create, you know, point and click to create a new page in Business Central on a, on a table of information. So it... <laughs> Showing that through, you know, I, I'd struggle to spend more than an hour showing somebody how to use that. Um, they can go and create page extensions, take, um, you know, uh, new pages, um, and then publish them into their VS Code system. And you're probably talking half a day's training course to understand the capability of doing that. Now, 
I think that that's going to happen a lot more in the in, in the future. When I look through some of the change requests that go through our customer services team, there's a lot of those small, almost cosmetic level changes that people come back to us to do it. And, and you know, unless we bundle up a whole load of them together, it's quite an expensive process for us to do. So actually, customers doing it themselves makes a lot more sense to me. Um, so that's one level. Um, okay, so, so you so the, the generally you're getting a simplified a simplified way of doing some some very basic uh, changes to your system. So it's it's going to be more accessible to more people. Of course, that as you mentioned, that the licenses that there's a big cost of entry, and you had to be ser- serious about you know doing development before you go and spend twenty grand on something, didn't you? So that's uh, that that's obviously been removed by Microsoft. So there's a general encouragement and I guess IT simplification has been big on everything hasn't it Every, trying to make everything a little bit easier rather than this complex different languages that we've got I'm not I'm not dumbing it down completely but the basic side like you said cosmetic change adding new pages and and, and, and bits and pieces like that it, even a new table of information so if you've got a new table of information that you want to hang off the back of your items or your customers and you want to relate it so you know you have to pick up a valid item number and it's not blocked and, and all the rest of it. So the data is almost self-maintaining or, or the referential integrity, to use the correct word, the coding on one table is, is valid in another table. Um, then that's very simple and very straightforward to do. And, you know, I, I struggle to say anybody who operates, for instance, Excel, couldn't learn to do that in, in a uh, certainly a day's course and be creating the first things. And so suddenly, you know, that, that Excel spreadsheet that you had because you wanted to hold a bunch of information, you can build back into your core system um, and, and have it maintained so somebody hasn't got to create that new item number in that Excel spreadsheet every time they create a new item number in, in Business Central, for instance. Um, and to do that, you know, that, that's, that's very straightforward. Extensions mean it's zero risk because... If you put it in and it doesn't work, guess what? You can uninstall and take it straight out again. So again, you couldn't do that in the CAL world where it was kind of knitted into the spaghetti and you couldn't identify what was whose. Um, and, and, you know, I think we are seeing an increasing number of customers uh, build their own extensions. And I think that will grow um, and should grow because, um, you know, paying us uh, to do simple stuff like that is not full value. Okay, yeah, that, that makes complete sense. I mean, I mean, I've you said there we worked a long time together, and the phrase I've heard many times when we're talking to people is a little da- a little knowledge is dangerous, isn't it? So, but this from what you said there, you know, with the with the new world of extensions, or it's not so new now, but that new approach, it's not quite as as risky as, as doing something that, that could really cause a problem. And I guess most people now have a test or. Uh, yeah, a, sandbox. A system, yeah. A sandbox environment to, to try these things out before they put it in live or in production. So there's a lot of better ways or, or areas we can we can deliver this to test it and make sure that everything's right. But and you've also mentioned you know a short training course to understand the fundamentals to make sure you don't go and, and really make a a mess of something or just understanding what you're trying to do is obviously important still. And you know this is one area where SaaS has a distinct advantage over uh, the on-premise stroke password. With um, you know where you have the traditional licensing, the FLF licensing um, that we use in the in the on-prem password, you still have to buy objects. Okay, so if you want to create that new table, 
Um, you know, that's one table object from your pack of 10, and you're talking, uh, I don't know precisely what the price is, but it's about 500 quid for 10, um, plus ongoing maintenance. You know, so maintenance, 16% uh, of that every year. Um, that 20 grand had a 16% charge every year. So you had to keep using it to, to, to make it wash, wash its face. Um, you know, in a SaaS world, you, the 50,000 to 100,000 range is free of charge. So you can go and create a, two or three tables to build a little kind of database of, of, of information to run, you know, something specific within your business, maybe plant maintenance or some records keeping system. Um, you can do that and that can then be part of your, um, uh, you know, core system. And for instance, you know, that if it was plant maintenance that you created records for, you could link that up to your fixed asset register so that you're picking up the correct piece of equipment and so on. And when you dispose of it, they can't log any further maintenance for it. And, and, and that's how it all kind of joins together in a much better way than having a separate system. Okay. So you've talked about the, the, you know, the language and the tools that we use normally in Business Central for development. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I... I I've heard Microsoft, you know, going on about and for, for a few years now is is something they've termed as power apps, um, which seems having had a little play with it, and I'm, I'm definitely not a developer, but I had a little play with it. It's it's far more, uh, you know, I think they call it low code or no code. So it's it's a way of designing, I would say, simpler bits of simpler applications that will will still be able to get data from some of the systems that we're used to and pass it around. More advanced than just workflow, but it's not. You know, I don't need to be know a development language to, to get involved with it. That is that again the type of tools we're talking about. Although we're moving away from Business Central specifically, we can interact with Business Central or Dynamics Customer Engagement, etc., and all the other Microsoft apps. Is is that is that what Power Apps is, or how would you describe it? Hundred percent. So I think you know Power Apps is is. Um, uh, I mean, they talk about low code, no code, um, but a lot of the time it's no code. You know, it, you only have to write code when you go beyond a certain level. And, and so you can go into the Power Apps design environment and you can drag and drop different what, what we call controls, boxes in effect, fields that you want to put on the page in a specific way. Um, you, you can link... Uh, now it, it's quite simple. You uh, you can link up to the different APIs. Your Business Central again. If we come back to that, um, that publishes now. You've got I don't know what it's up to. The last version was up to I think thirty nine different APIs. Um, so thirty nine different parts of the application that you could plug into. So there's a standard one for creating a customer. There's a standard one for creating a sales order. There's a standard one for creating a purchase order. There's a standard one for items. You know, um, all the different major functions of the area, they've got these application programmer interfaces. So that kind of exposes, I wouldn't say every field, but a lot of the fields that you might, you know, populate if you went in and put the information through the front door of the application. But now with that application, you can fire up a Power App and, and point that Power App then at that API, the item API, and suddenly you've got a list of Business Central items, maybe filtered down by ones which are you know um, raw material items, for instance, whatever filter you want to apply to that. 
and, and then you can start to kind of do something with them or transact um, with them. You can feed back into a journal form. So, you know, if you consume something, you could then update the journal to say, I've used this and so on. So building completely different kind of uh, interfaces. Power Apps has um, one magical feature uh, which everybody loves, which is the ability to go offline. So once you've built your Power App, you can publish it to, for instance, your phone. And then if your phone is out of signal, um, it obviously can't talk to the API, but if it's pulled down a list of items, you could then record that. And then when it get, comes back in range, it can feed those back in. Um, now building that so it's completely slick, completely easy, you'll probably get to the point where you want, you know, You'll want to do something specific. You'll want to make something conditional on something and do some checks on, uh, or something. And you'll get to the point where actually it requires a bit of script in that. And that's where the low code comes in. So there are limitations about what you can do with no code. Um, but typically you're writing, you're not writing, uh, you know, this is not a low level language where you're writing pages and pages of code. You're writing probably the equivalent of short little macros in Excel, you know, the way that that seemed to work if you've, if you've used that before um, to build those out. But yeah, there's lots of kind of non-standard uh, things that are not held within Business Central or customer engagement or whichever um, that we're building power apps for now. And I think, you know, increasingly, again, we'll see customers building their own power apps uh, in the future for all sorts of functions across the business. Yeah, during one of the lockdowns when we couldn't do anything, I remember playing with it one evening and even I managed to get... There was What surprised me, you mentioned this right at the beginning of, of that Power Apps discussion, was the library of templates and stuff to get you started. Um, and I, I was just playing around with it, trying to create a mobile app for one of the events we did so people could choose which um, which which topic they wanted to listen to and book on. Yeah. So it was almost like a, a something on your mobile to see what your schedule was if we were running a user day or something like that. And you're right, you know, I found one quite quickly. I was able to change that, customize it a little bit. I did hit a limit, so I would have needed some help or some some level of coding. But you're right, there was so there was such a wealth of ready-made templates and a, a foundation things to get you up and running. It was it was quite easy to get to a point where, you know, I felt I was probably better than I actually was, but it, it was great that it was on a mobile device. I did it on my laptop, but like you said, port the URL and uh, open it up on my phone and it was just working great. So that was that was really interesting. So I know we've had, we've, we've, I was just going to say, we've, we've had a few developers who've written things, as you said, Power Apps for customers so they can go offline, they can go off-site um, and gather that information or get the information they need while they're, they're away from the, the office. And then it, it connects back up and updates the system when they're either back on Wi-Fi or back on a signal. So it, is, it has been useful for that. So Power Apps now from uh, Business Central 18, you know, the, the way one released this year, uh, can talk to custom API in um, uh, Business Central. So what does that mean? It means even if there's not a standard API for it to connect to, there's not an out-of-the-box one from Microsoft, you, know, you could use VS Code, you could create your API, and yes, you could do that via, you know, one of the, the plugin wizards um, that goes kind of tick this box, tick this box, tick this box. It kind of walks you through. Publish that into, um, publish that into your Business Central system, um, you know, and, and then connect your Power App to that. So there is now, um, you, you are minutes, um, from exposing anything within um, Business Central 
to being available uh, to read or update via a Power App. Um, and, you know, that is a little bit of a game changer. For me, kind of, it realises the full uh, potential of Power Apps. The number of Power Apps since that capability came in that we're now specifying as part of a project um, when we're implementing Business Central these days is, is just gone up by a factor of 10. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's now becoming really, if you've got people external to your organization, people on the road, you know, be they salespeople, be they um, uh, service engineers, be they kind of just people out there generally, um, then there's a lot of uh, different functions that we're doing for kind of booking appointments or um, you know, updating core reports, things like that, that we can do with a Power App um, where, for instance, full-blown CRM is not justified or something of that nature. So it's giving us another option, another uh, set of tools in the armory, and, and Power Apps are really good. The other thing that comes in, you know, Power Apps is, is not just a mobile app. Um, it's a, you have portal apps as well. So in effect, uh, we can create a uh, we can create the same type of technique, but actually publish it into a portal um, that makes it external to your organization. So, um, which for the first time is making things viable that we've never kind of had the uh, financial justification for doing. So, use an example for that. Um, you know, if, you have, um, if you have a vendor that supplies you on a kind of Kanban system. You know, maybe they're, they're bringing in fixings or, or stationery or whatever you want. Um, in effect, you can publish via the portal your current in inventory levels for the items where they're the preferred supplier very quickly using a, um, a portal app, a power app in, published via the portal. So they could log on, see how many you've got, um, and make sure that they put enough on the van without kind of even bothering you at all. So suddenly the ability to kind of do that for, you know, for the vendor side, um, uh, but also specific things around the customer as well. Um, you know, it has suddenly got, we're not, we're not creating a whole portal with a security system and a kind of, you know, it's not a big web development project anymore that's going to be in the, tens if not hundreds of days it's 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 down in the single figure days probably to get it published and in use okay okay so i i guess someone listens to this uh one of our customers they, they decide to go and have a, a look at something like power apps and they start having a play one evening what what i guess the question i've got what what how does that impact the relationship with us as the partner what what do we need to be careful of uh, and how, what what pitfalls can we avoid, or, or what's the best way to work in that way? Well, you know, I, I think um, kind of the citizen developer piece makes partners, uh, the traditional partners, nervous. Okay, and, and you know, even people within Techman nervous. Um, if you go and talk to our support team, they'll probably get very nervous because, <laughs> in effect, they're responsible for keeping your system running. Uh, and you're, you know, you're under the bonnet with a set of spanners, yeah. not knowing totally what you're doing. Um, so, you know, there does need to be some 
uh, care and control. And that's why probably, you know, you, you, you don't, uh, what's the phrase? A little knowledge can be dangerous. Um, you do need to understand the risk of what you're doing and, and, and just follow certain basic rules. You know, we talked about one of them, which is try out what you're doing in the, um, in the sandbox. You know, another one, which is not a bad thing, is actually to get your partner to kind of check what you've done. You know, if I'm going and checking somebody's VS Code route, uh, doing what we call a code review, something we do internally, I can do that code review. I can run through that. It's going to take me 20 minutes, half an hour, probably, to do to, to review quite a lot of code. If it's just a page, I'm going to look at it. I'm going to go, yeah, that's fine. Or I'm going to come back and say, I wouldn't have done it that way. You might have a performance impact. I'll, I'll, I'll give you some comments on that. And I think that's where it's sensible to kind of, before you just throw it into your production system and, and bring it all crashing down, you know, that's where the partner can add value just to, to uh, critique it a little bit and go, yep, yeah, that's good to go. It, you know, it, it, that second pair of eyes um, it is, is where they come in. Um, if you, um, you know, it, clearly partners, if you do some development work and you break your system, um, you know, it's, it's a very rash partner that contracts to underwrite that and put it all right at their cost. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's an unreasonable risk um, uh, to take. So you do need to exercise a little bit of judgment, a little bit of care, and probably talk to your partner about what those rules are being. You know, at Techman, we've got kind of a, a set of conventions we would like you to work around, um, which is, you know, um, which is leading us down the topic of a whole new uh, uh, podcast that we need to do soon, which is the kind of, the difference between a full-service customer and a self-service customer, um, that increasingly we're seeing that differentiation between the two. Okay, so like with any good relationship between a partner and a customer or an end user, communication is key here. You know, just, just touch base, what you're planning to do. The partner might save you, you know, going down a, a rabbit hole that's going to cause you lots of problems. And if they're aware of what's going on, of course, they can they can help you with how we're going to support this or, or don't do this because you could do some some significant damage to your system. So, okay, okay. That would make yeah, sense. I mean, you know, the, the, from a customer's point of view, clearly you built something, you're really keen to get it in your live system and in use because you spend all this time creating it. You don't want to, you know, you want to get it through. But that's where um, you, 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 the partner... If the partner's going to review it, the part, you know, that might not happen precisely when you want it to. Um, there might be a little bit of a delay there. But actually, you know, I think um, that's the insurance for, for saying that we're not going to do anything catastrophic that's going to break your systems. There is other things. You know, if you're just reading information out, Liam, you can't break it. You mm. can slow it down. You can hit performance doing that suboptimally. But you can't break anything just pulling information out. If you start posting back it, information back in, you can start to break things, um, you know, particularly if you put it in the wrong place. But again, you know, that's where the, the standard APIs don't really let you break anything that you shouldn't. They don't let you post anything that you shouldn't do. Um, you, can create some, you can create some rubbish customers in your system, which you know, is, not, is not brilliant, but then you've got the job of going to deleting them if you do that. So, you know, go have to tidy up. Um, if you create a custom API yourself, 
and you created that into, you know, geo-ledger entries, um, well, your finance colleagues might get a bit annoyed when suddenly your, uh, you know, your general ledger doesn't balance. But again, you're really going to have to try quite hard to break the rules and do something like that. Because just the standard system security, you're going to have to be really, um, you know, a super user um, of the highest order of, of administration before you're allowed to post to ed, post or edit ledger entry tables. Um, but um, I'm not saying you couldn't do that, but you'd have to try hard. Okay. Okay. So I guess just, just wrapping all that up, we, we would absolutely encourage our, our customers to you know, look at the possibilities that, that being a citizen developer and the tools that are out there with things like Power Apps, the benefits that can bring to their system. Always work with your partners so they're aware of what you're doing. They can probably give you a bit of guidance and help point you to some resources that might help you as well. Um, but generally, we, we think this is a great thing to, to continue adding functionality and benefits of, of using Dynamics as the, the core uh, products that we've been uh, that we've been putting into businesses for many years. Absolutely, and you know, from a Techman perspective, we're launching kind of specific training courses which are orientated towards these people who perhaps aren't want to do a bit themselves, um, you know, as much themselves as they wanted to do. We've already done that on a on a one to one basis with several organisations, um, and, and you know, actually, it's been quite eye opening to how. Uh, self-sufficient we've been able to make those organizations quite quickly um, and and you know so I think that's definite trend of it's not going to be for everybody a lot of organizations are still going to want you know I don't have time to learn this and there is a bit to learn um, but for other organizations certainly where they have an IT team internally um, you know, it makes good sense that you utilise knowledge and skills you already have and we just, in effect, make it applicable to Dynamics. Okay, well, if there's anything else you want to add, James, I'll, I'll let you, I'm sure you will. But from my point of view, as always, I've learned a load again. Um, and, and I said that phrase makes complete sense. And I think, as, as we've said already a few times, as customers rely on this software so heavily, it's great that they take a, a, a more... Um, yeah, personal approach to it and, and, and can do things themselves uh, to, to help get more and more out of the systems that we're putting in. But but thank you, as always, for, for contributing to the podcast. Um, and um, I look forward to having a chat with you again about something different in the world of dynamics. But unless there's anything else you've got to add, I'll uh, thank you and um, catch up with you soon. No, it's always a pleasure and uh, enjoy doing it and uh, look forward to seeing you soon.